I actually went from wearing my Apple Watch to just a normal watch for because I, I wear Apple Watch forever. And then uh, I've realized how much less stressed I am during the day because my watch isn't constantly mm. vibrating. Because I'm a dummy, I don't turn off notifications. So all of our business accounts, I still get notifications for. So like every time a sale comes, I get a notification. Every time I, someone comments on Instagram, oh Facebook, no. I get a notification. Oh God. It's like, I didn't want the notification. <laughs> but you know what? My, I think the greatest productivity happens. I take my phone. I flip it over and I put it down and then that's it. And then no, no disturbing. I just can focus. Hey, pronouncers, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. Thank you so much for watching. We've got a very special episode. Um, We've got Mr. Stephen Farrag out of Campus Inc. And our very special guest, Robert Hamm from Lid Launch. We appreciate everyone listening. Um, in the last couple of weeks, our listens have gone up probably because we have some new sponsors. So, Bruce, let's rip it. Have you heard of Multicraft Daddy? I have not. Tell me more. If you're not following Multicraft underscore Daddy on Instagram, you need to stop what you're doing right now and go follow Dave Eggers and the team at Multicraft. If you need ink supplies or a daddy, Multicraft screen printing and digital supplies for over 50 years provides you with the top brands of competitive prices. And if you mention the Printavo podcast, you will receive an extra 10% off your first order. This is where we get all of our ink, all of our supplies. Um, This is where we get our Monarch from. So thank you, Multicraft. We've got Graphic Source. Graphic Source specializes in providing high-quality, production-ready art and dedicated staffing solutions for decorators around the world, including Printavo shops. With industry-leading quality on high-color end steps, digitized embroidery files, pixel-perfect product mock-ups, and order entry solutions, GraphicSource is sure to make a positive, measurable impact on your business. You'll hear me talk about GraphicSource, so I'm blue in the face. We've got our team at GraphX doing all of our artwork, um, and we absolutely love them. Easy way. Thank you, Easy Way. The team at Easy Way is fantastic. Uh, thank you so much, Alex. You shouldn't spend all day cleaning dirty screens. Easy Way's line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster, more efficiently, and will cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. We use Easy Way chemicals in our shop every single day. The team is absolutely fantastic. We use 701 and 842 specifically. Um, if you have any questions, check out easyway.com. All right, back to the show. Um, Rob, first of all, fair, you can go to lidlaunch.com real quick. Um, you have got the, the website that I saw built out so that people can order and go through this site, pick their hats, their headwear and get it decorated, which it looks like you guys really solely focus on embroidery. Um, can you just talk Correct. about that? I'm totally skipping ahead, and then we'll go back to lid launch and what you guys are. But how does yeah. the website work? Does it work well? Do For most sure. of your customers come through here, or do they email you? What, what's the deal? Literally 100% of our business goes straight through our website. Wow. And uh, wow. so quick, quick background on me is I'm a software engineer by day uh, that kind of just wiggled his way into starting to make some hats at night. Uh, and it's blown up into this. So, um, yeah, the huge part of what making possible, what we do is actually making people use the website and not having to do the paper trails or 
emailing people, uh, everything 100% through the site. So it's 100% cut and custom website written uh, by me. So, what, so crucial. When, when yeah, I have so many questions. <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> Wait, do you forward Bruce. them to there? Yeah. Or do they naturally go there? Are you buying on ads so, or how, you know, how does it work? So we, we run ads on Google and Facebook and Instagram, uh, and soon TikTok. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all people from the internet that find us either through advertising or from one of our, you know, 10,000 customers over the past year that have been happy referral based. But yeah, we don't, we don't do any, um, cold calling or anything uh, like that. But this year is actually a push. I actually hired one of my good friends from high school uh, to be my head of sales. So up until this this year, it's always been just random people off the internet finding us uh, through advertising and going so, to our site. So Rob, do you buy Rob or Robert? Either. Okay. <laughs> called we're the, going, either we're for going, a lot of people. We're, we're going with Rob today um, I like it. From, from me. But... Um, uh, I think you look like a Rob with the backwards hat, so you're owning it really well. Um, okay, so let's backtrack a little bit. Lid launch. Yeah. Give us, give us the, give us the high level overview. All of your sales come through your website, which yep. shop owners listening to this are going to be like, "I want that," and we'll talk about yeah. that. Um, yep. But give us, give us an overview. When did you start? You're, you, you are a developer and engineer, so, so yeah, yep. give it to us. Yeah, so um, basically, I was on Facebook. This is probably in like 2017, and uh, I like cars a lot. So I was in all of these car groups for specific cars, you know, like a Corvette car group or a Mustang car group. And I started noticing these links to a website, Teespring, which I'm sure you guys know of and heard of. Uh, but I was like, oh, print on demand. Like, so I'm a very artsy person too, so I love graphic design. And these people are basically just creating these very generic car t-shirts and then posting them in these Facebook groups with like 80,000 people in it. And I knew they were making money off of it. I'm like, well, I want to do this. So I started making some uh, designs and threw up on T-String store and I made like 2,500 bucks in a month just selling these random shirts to people in Facebook car groups. And uh, were you using Facebook ads or were you just using Facebook groups here? Just groups. Just literally posting in groups and getting banned from a lot of them because you're not supposed to sell stuff. (laughs) But uh, it it worked out. Um, And then from that, like I knew that car people really, really liked flex fit hats. And I'm like, well, I want to sell hats. And then that's where my search started to find a website that did that. And I didn't find anything. So that was kind of my clue to like, hey, there might be something here to where. You know, I, if I could figure out how to get the hats and sell them to these people. And that's where basically I started the development on the website. Um, so when we first started, it was just like print on demand. So like if, if I, I was basically the only designer on there using it, but it was my designs on the site where we would, you know, create it and ship it to the person that bought it. Still and car designs out, or anything custom? <clears throat> yeah, it, anything really. Because like I was just targeting car people because that's all I knew at that time. Uh, but I started to realize like, cause we started to actually get some people signing up and uploading their artwork too. So like we started getting, um, some like, uh, bagger teams, like cornhole that started like getting, gaining popularity. So we got like, we'd, we'd keep getting these like little niches of people that would come on board and that were outside of cars. And then they were, they were selling some hats, but it wasn't anything crazy. Cause a lot of people can't do the behind the scenes work of marketing themselves. Like they think they're just going to put it on the site and we're going to have eyeballs on their products when that, when we didn't have any organic traffic, it was all like either 
we were putting the, we had organic traffic, but we, it wasn't like people were coming to our site to buy hats. They were coming to our site because they saw a link on a Facebook car group to buy the hat, right? Um, wow. So, so, so your your clients were in that case, you, you enabled your clients to be your marketers, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, that's the brilliant, the brilliant thing behind Teespring is like the people that understand how to use it, like they are making Teespring so much money because they're doing all of the marketing and the advertising for them. And uh, it's a great business model. It's just a lot easier to sell 100 hats to one person than 100 hats to 100 people. So, so Rob, you're not necessarily print on demand, but you're still like, no. it's, 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 so not print anymore. on demand is like a print full kind of thing, right? Um, yeah. Where, and did you start as print on demand? Yeah. So that's, that's how we started. And gotcha. uh, we did that for about a year. And at the very beginning, I was outsourcing all the embroidery work uh, to a friend's mom that had a uh, two six head happy machines. And uh, I just sent her a big Excel sheet with all the orders on it and said, this is the batch for this week. And I'd go pick them up and I'd take them home. I package them and I ship them. Um, and then I got the crazy idea, like, what if I buy my own single head machine and started doing it myself? And then uh, that's when the can of worms really opened What'd up. What'd you buy? And I'm like, well, I bought a happy single head and uh, sat in my basement till about three in the morning, stitching hats every night. Uh, yeah, if I was smart, I would have never gotten to the actual uh, production side of it and not outsource that whole time and just what? stayed a website. Stop. <laughs> Say well, that one more time. To, yeah. <laughs> Which one? The If I was smart, I would stay yeah. on the production side. Yeah. It'd be so much easier had I just stayed the high level website guy sending orders to embroidery shops than me trying to do the whole production side. But looking back and what I have now, I don't regret it, but uh, it's been so much work. It's crazy. Wow. So so you are a technology company. Yeah. Right? Like you Definitely. are rooted in technology. You are, yes. you're disc, you've decentralized sales so that you don't have person-to-person contact and you've mm-hmm. built a platform to reduce the friction in ordering hats. So exactly that there are very few shops that I have met personally that have successfully done that completely decentralized the ordering process. Bruce, mm-hmm. you've been to well, a lot of shops going around from the country. Software engineer to shop owner too is a pretty <laughs> unique path. Like, wh- wh- where were you yeah. a programmer at? Uh, I've done a lot. Uh, like, I've done stuff for the Department of Defense. Uh, mm-hmm. I've worked at a small mom and pop software shop, uh, but most recently I was working at. Uh, I'm one of the biggest mail or mail order pharmacies uh, in the country. So I was on the, like the pharmacy automation team. So I have some good experience with, you know, shipping hundreds of thousands of medications a day. Uh, so that was some pretty awesome experience uh, to, that I can basically take and directly, you know, as, apply the same principles to, uh, you know, a custom hat shop. So if you, can drop, if you can drop ship drugs, you can drop ship hats. So. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Perfect. Yeah. Can we, can we clip that? Um, so wait, so, so you built the site, everybody goes through the site and they're driven from, yeah. they're driven from ads and from SEO. How, how much mm-hmm. do you spend on ads a month? Uh, it's sickening. Uh, but we're at about like 60 grand a month right now. Holy Across shit. Wait, and, and so then you can turn, but you can measure that though, right? Cause do you Google. attribute mm-hmm. those ads to revenue? Oh, yeah. So is it like $1 yeah, spent you, is $3 in revenue or how, how do you, yeah, what's we, the ratio? It, across the platforms, it's different, uh, but we average about for every dollar spend, it's about $4 return. Wow. So there's so, no brainer. Why not spend more? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
we don't spend more because we don't we we had to make sure for one we have the hats to sell because we only sell what we can get tomorrow or already have on hand uh you got to have the people and the equipment to make sure you can produce it so that's been a long a very turtle so we've we've grown very very fast but we've only been growing at the rate that we can afford to uh people wise equipment wise and space and inventory wise so we're kind of bottlenecked and like if I had a hundred thousand square foot warehouse with 500 embroidery heads and the people in mm-hmm. the inventory, we could no doubt just crank the ad spend up and expect the returns. And there's some fine tuning that goes into just cranking it up. Like you have to do it slowly to get there. Cause you want to make sure that your returns stay consistent. Uh, cause you don't want to crank it up and then get $2 for every dollar that you spend. Cause that is just completely local? obliterates your margins. Like ads or is it national Mm-mm. or? national yep wow so so for shop owners that post in the facebook groups that say i just want something where people go to my site and they just order from there yep what advice do you have for them so we can share this clip every single time gosh there's so many there's so many moving parts in our website that's like yeah we have a front-facing website to go people go to to place an order but there's so much more behind the scenes that make that like that's just that's just getting the order in. Right. So that's just the person's information with what they ordered in front of you. It's all the processes after that that are probably the most important part. You know, the setting up of the artwork and then the revisions process and the approval process. And then how do you get that order from on your computer to something physical in the person's hand to take and know what to get and put in the box and put on the shelf for production? Uh, and then from the box to the machine. And so there's so many parts that go towards through that. Uh, but for the person that wants to just get the sale on the internet, like that's the first step, I guess. Um, but so be if you prepared. don't have, yeah, go ahead, if you go don't ahead. have those background processes in place and you start getting these sales on the internet, you're going to just completely obliterately just a fail. Like you're going to 100% just fall on your face, get way too much, work not be able to do it and you're going to be just swimming and paper and uh, problem right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) so what what do you what do you feel like you enjoy like you're a previous programmer obviously likes Mm -hmm. to solve problems though you're probably not programming too much i mean i'm assuming to fix stuff like this reminds me of me working on printavo is like but like I'm assuming you're more business owner and process and people and hiring and all this other stuff now. Yeah. So I still code every day. So we're still putting stuff in like last week we just rolled out a way to send people like physical stitch outs for approval. So on big orders, orders, orders more than 36 hats, we will always send the person an actual physical stitch out of the product to approve before like our workers were taking a phone, taking a picture and then attaching it to an email and then sending it to them, which is super just time consuming. You do that 20 times a day. That's more than an hour out of your day sending pictures where now that you just walk up, put the hat down on a table. There's a DSL car- camera hooked up to the computer, takes the picture and automatically emails the person for them to prove it. So you're so, sticker mule, you're and, sticker mule for, for embroidery. Yeah, I guess. I mean, this is that, fa- <laughs> I mean, this is that speed, like yeah. very online driven component. Where, yes. I mean, it, like, is how we, fast is that this whole process done? So it, we were at a point to where 
we sometimes are waiting for the person to even just approve their artwork. Like the order is getting pulled into production and the person hadn't even actually approved it yet. So wow. it's, it's super fast. We, so, so what's your SLA? Like what do you, what, how quickly from, if, if I were to go and place an order on the site right now and yep. I had okay artwork, you know, a transparent PNG. So it's still gotta get digitized. Yep. How soon are you, what's your average sew time like in production? So after after you place the order, so if you place the order right now, it would depend on how fastly we would review the artwork and actually approve it for you to see the digitizing. Mm -hmm. uh, so we we have a partner digitizing place that does the initial digitizing, and that's done sometimes in thirty minutes. So if I have someone working in that time that is a, that it's a, uploaded and approved, then you could have that artwork you know super quick turnaround on that. Um, and then it's up to you to approve that or request a revision. Um, and then we always test everything internally. And if it looks bad, then we have our on-site digitizer make the tweaks and adjustments that he needs to to make it look good before we actually run it in production. Um, but our our official turnaround time is 10 to 14 business days, which right now we're hitting, I think, less than seven business days. Uh, but with growing this, we, I always hit to where, holy crap, we need more equipment because we've got too many orders. And then we fall back into 10 to 40 business days because we've got all these orders sitting on a shelf waiting their turn to be run on the machine. And, oh, no, we need more employees. Uh, so it's uh, the official is 10 to 14 business days. But I know that more and more I refine these processes and get the right people and the right equipment in place. We could get orders turned around so fast. I, I've. Uh, just an example, two nights ago, I had a buddy, uh, he's pretty big on TikTok, but he sells his own merch and he had this new hat idea and he messaged me the night before and like we placed the order, digitized it and the next morning I had my guys run it and we overnighted it to him and it was done. So it went from order placed, artwork approved, run, done in wow. a day. So we could literally get that cadence going. And it again, it, it falls back on the person because a lot of people take forever to approve the artwork. And that's actually a, it's a pain point, because what do you do with that order that's not approved? Because we always box everything regardless of its approval status. So it gets pulled from inventory and it basically sits its turn on the shelf uh, waiting for the person to approve it. Wow. Which I'm, yeah. So so just to backtrack a little bit. In order to build something like this, you need to have a technical background or have someone in your shop that is extremely technical, meaning a full stack engineer. We're talking, yeah. you know, if you were to hire someone right now in this market, you're looking at one hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars a year, maybe mm -hmm. unless you tried to do it offshore and yep. you're spending upwards of sixty thousand dollars a month on ads that yeah. right there is almost like an $800,000 investment in your technology. Yeah, it almost, it's scary. It's scary, but yeah. it takes the personality of yourself, right? Because that's, that's where you were bred from, uh, which I think is super interesting and something we don't get a lot in our you know, average shops that we talk to. Right, Bruce? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty crazy. Um, we talk about this, especially in the customing side, right? Where... Yes, uh, a lot of folks, they go through there, but that's because they spend so much on marketing. Um, and my mm -hmm. guess is they're going to go public at some point, so we'll be able to see those numbers, which will be kind of interesting. But you I would know, love they're to see very that. heavy in Google ads yeah. um, and social ads. So um, 
but it's it's really cool to see you do it at scale here where most people are able to or have to compete based on their personality and in the customer service mm-hmm. which is not wrong it's just you just went down a different path which is which is pretty interesting yep and uh, so kind of circling back to like the small guy you know that wants to get on the internet like you can totally do it and that's how i did it it's just i did it so quickly and so rapidly uh, the first, the first ads that I were running were messaging campaigns where people message us and we, and this was in, I think, uh, 20 end of 2019, early what, 2020. And it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at that point I had, I had bought a six head just for running the multiple, like, so when someone was ordering 10 of this like car hat, so I didn't have to run it 10 times. I, you know, I just put on the six head and run it twice and be done. Right. So, so when you were I first, already had, go ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. No, so ahead. I had I had the the bigger machine and then I was like I think I had gotten like my first 100 at order from someone that just knew me like we were friends on Facebook and after I processed that 100 hat order for this person I was like oh my gosh this is so much easier and cuz like I was doing everything right like I was processing the orders I was running them on a machine like the working my day job still too mind you during all of that so it was a no-brainer transition for me to spend my time on trying to sell someone 100 hats versus 100 people one hat, and that's where I kind of pivoted to doing you know small business stuff versus the uh, one hat per order type thing. Interesting. Um, but so I was running these messaging campaigns, and uh, I was spending all of my time just talking to people on Facebook Messenger, which didn't give me much time to run the machines anymore. So that was a problem. So it. it it just like there was fate where stars aligned and I had a friend that had a girlfriend that wasn't working at the time and she just wanted to help out. And so she just started messaging these people for me and sending them PayPal invoices. And that <laughs> like we did like 13,000 in sales, like in a few days. And I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go. Like I have to run all these orders myself. Uh, holy crap. This is crazy. So you, you created a definite need and like you still marketed like direct sales when you were starting, you know, you Mm -hmm. still, you still attacked it as you were bootstrapping your software in the background, you still were creating that demand to get there. So it's not like a lot of people like I need to build the software and then I sell like you were doing it all at the same time, which is really, really impressive. Cause at that point we were just using PayPal invoices and I was literally printing them out, putting them out on a table in front of me and like tallying up the hats, what I needed to order from a distributor. And I was like, okay, as soon as that happened, I'm like, all right, done, not doing that anymore. And that's where I started building out the order management side where even if the order didn't come through the site, I still entered it in there so that I could manage it there, you know, the status and everything. Cause we were using like a to-do list like app on our phones to say this person needs artwork, this person needs artwork. And then took that, built it out into my site. And then from there, I've just, kept adding more functionality. Anytime I saw a pain point in trying to do this myself, I either wrote software or delegated it to someone else to do it for me to where I could keep working my day job and then still growing the business as much as I could. Uh, How does yeah, the digitizing so the next, part work? Uh, so it, I mean, it's all still done by hand. There's no like, there's no uh, machine learning digitizing going on there, which would be great if it was, but uh, it's it's outsourced uh, to a third party to, for the initial digitizing. And then our in-house digitizer looks at and approves everything before the customer ever sees it. 
Um, and once the customer approves it, that's when we actually physically test it to make sure it's good before we run in production. Wow. So that's, that's the digitizing side. So, so basically you're like, okay, where's there going to be friction in the order? Digitizing is going to be tough. So let's get to it mm -hmm. right away. Let's outsource yep. it as quickly as possible. And so even if that last 10% needs to be QC'd by your internal team, it's still worth outsourcing yeah, all of it. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And it, it's kind of a funny story because I used to do all the digitizing myself too. So that was another thing that I had to spend time on. And like as a as an embroidery shop owner, you always get constantly pounded by these guys like, hey, we'll do digitizing for you. Digitize cheap for you. <laughs> Best digitizing. Quick turnaround. And like Especially I think it's probably on like Facebook. You don't know who's a customer yeah. and who's a digitizer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but I uh it was probably like one AM in the morning at one point I'd gotten one of those emails and I was like, sure, digitize this for me. Because I just didn't want to do it. And it, it came back so fast and it was so much better than I would have done it. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never digitizing anything ever again. <laughs> and it, it's been moments like that where I, I was like, there's no way I can afford to pay this per anyone else to digitize because I saved so much money doing it myself, but I'm taking my time to do it. And my time is not best spent digitizing something. It's automating the orders on the back end. So every time that I have delegated or given out work just for someone else to do, it's always had a return tenfold in the growth of the business. Wow. So I'm super huge about getting stuff off your plate and doing what you're good at instead of just sitting there, you know, like the, I think the quote, like work on your business, not in it, uh, is kind of powerful. Um, yeah. Wow. You know, so then go ahead, Bruce. No, you, you go ahead, Ferg. I was going to say like, tell us about, so 2017 to now, mm -hmm. if you're willing to share percentages or anything, like now's your chance to brag about it. But, uh, <laughs> like how how much has the business grown since you've started? Oh, it's I, I still it's harder at my head around where it's at now. Um, you know, uh, I took a pay cut to work for myself. I still make less than I did as a software engineer, but like my mom's an employee of mine now. I've got 14 employees like it's now that I have 14 employees, that's 14 people's livelihood that's in my hands and in my business's hands. So it's it's completely turned from, oh, this might be a way for me to make a bunch of money to, holy crap, now I'm responsible for all these people. And not only that, like we have hundreds of customers in the queue at any time that I feel personally responsible for. So I, I'm really bad about letting that weigh on me, too. So it's it's grown much more than just a way for me to make money. Um, but I, it just... I'm just doing rough numbers here. If you spend sixty mm k -hmm. a month and then a, f a rough four x return um, mm -hmm. on that times twelve, I mean you're between two and a half. You can to get million. basically exactly what we did revenue last year. <laughs> I mean, wow. I, I just wow, honestly wow, wow, hats wow. off. Well, oh. No <laughs> yeah. No, we um, keep them on here. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it's incredible. Like, how do you deal with uh, stock then? And and you know, I mean, you're pumping That's, a good amount of volume here. It's yeah. been a nightmare. It's been a nightmare, man. And when we first started, we would literally just take a couple times a week. We would batch all of the orders and tally up. This all happened automatically, but you'd get a basically a sheet telling you everything you needed to fulfill the next round of orders. And we'd go to our distributors and order that in. So we'd get all these boxes in and then we'd sift through them and 
put them on the shelves and then put them back in the boxes, which in itself isn't a very efficient way to do it. But we never had, we didn't have the capital, we're customer funded, but to sit on all that inventory was crazy to me. And then we started, we just kept doing that, kept doing that. And then like we started noticing like everything was zeroing out in all of our distributors. Like there were no, there's nothing available. Like everything, like it was getting dangerously low on all the hats that we sell. And I'm like, oh crap, this isn't good. So I just like figured out how to start doing it like cash flow wise, but we just started buying everything that we could. So we sit on right now, like I think we have like 50,000 hats right now that we hold on hand in inventory at our new building. And uh, that's only going to get us two and a half, three months of runway. Wow. So we still, wow. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So we're, we're still at a third or a quarter of what we need to be at full. Because if you go to our site right now and see what's available, there's just, there's holes everywhere. Like you can't get a large, extra large red flex fit because they've been out of stock for the past year. And so you can get a small one, but large isn't available. So I know our sales would be even better if we had everything to offer people, which right now we're at probably a third of what's available. Wow. So you decided I need to take inventory position to have something to sell. Which yep. is a very scary thing to put something on your shelf without a guaranteed sale. How yep. did that change? Now that that does not like that throws profit first out of the way. That uh-huh. that's a completely different yeah, model. How does that work on the cash flow? How, how did you? It doesn't like <laughs> you well, overextend it's, it's finance, and, right? Yeah. Did did you have advisors to help you out with that, or any like fractional CFOs no. or anything? Just yourself? No, it's me. Wow, it, it weighs it weighs heavily. That's probably the most stressful part right now uh, is figuring out how to get and pay for, you know, it, at this point, two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of hats because that's you know, yeah. Is that your I advantage it's scary, though? Now, it's, yeah. So we have hats that other people don't. So we like when I knowing that I have them, like I know they're going to sell. So for me, it's not. I'm not scared that they're not going to sell. It's the only, I guess the only fear is like, well, what if the orders slowed down this month and we have all of these hats now we've got to project though. These are like, these are going to last the six months because for some reason sales have just completely plummeted and we've got, you know, cause you net 30 accounts that you got to make sure you pay at the end of the month. And, uh, Bruce, yeah, what's that in, called in finance where you look at your inventory, how much you owe, and then like how quickly it'll turn over. Isn't there a name for that? There's like a ratio. There's. Isn't it this the is a class uh, we took. <laughs> Isn't it the turnover rate? Sounds right to me. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm not an expert. Turnover. I'm just a guy but, buying a ton of hats but, and but <laughs> companies companies large companies that have to take inventory positions and inventory I say this in the nicest Yeah, but like a gas station has to have Diet Coke on their shelves at all times. You know, you yep. can never walk in and not see a Diet Coke. So if, if a gas station can do it with, with, with M&Ms and Diet Coke and every type of candy, you're doing it with hats. Um, yep. But it's, it's weighing on you and it's still a B2B business. And you're, you know, but so are you looking at a lot of historical sales and saying, okay, oh, we yeah. sold this much mm-hmm. last year. I can keep 50% on the shelf. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. So a huge part is like, so since I own the data and I have access to the, to our data, I at any point in time can look and see like what was the most popular colors that sold. Mm-hmm. And we do that. We do that often. Um, but you know, blacks, charcoal, and black heather, and black heather and whites. Those are the most popular colors. We keep the most of those as we can. 
and then just take an average of and it's the numbers are skewed because stuff has just been out of stock so we don't put something on our site unless we either have it on hand or can get it tomorrow so the numbers aren't true wow. per se because we haven't been able to have a full you can't sell inventory it. ever right yeah so but we do know what the most popular colors are for sure because they sell so quickly um but once we started keeping inventory then we had to build out the whole entire inventory piece too to know how many you have on hand and then subtracting that whenever you actually do batch the orders and stuff so, so that was a whole other so did you build your own part. did you build your own warehouse management system then yeah yeah so that's built into <laughs> our our site so you and you wow. share the pricing of so course, you don't even put items on the site yeah, unless unless we have them on hand or can get them from a third party distributor, when it within a day or two. So then, okay, I noticed that you really are only selling like flex fits and some Yupons. Mm-hmm. Like, um, why aren't you selling value caps and all the other ones? Is it is uh, it like yeah. these are the ones? T- tell us about like why them. you pick what you you don't like them. Yeah, yeah. The I I had a great example and I'm so glad I saw it, but. Uh, my, me and my wife go to Goodwill all the time. She loves going there. She loves buying clothes for our kid there. Uh, but uh, I was there, and I was actually a contractor at a software shop where this place was one of our customers, and they're like a multi-billion-dollar uh, like crop science company. And I'm walking past like the hat rack. I always go to the hat rack at Goodwill, and here's one of their hats, and it has their logo on it, and it's one of those crappy value cap 50 cent hats and i'm like this is exactly what happens to these hats when people buy these they go to goodwill no one's ever gonna wear that flimsy crappy hat like they're just not going to like as as your brand you want to put it on something that's nice that people are actually going to wear and hats is like everyone wears a hat not everyone but tons of people wear hats and i think a hat is probably going to get you the most exposure of your brand, which is the whole point of putting your logo on it. If you give a hat to someone that that they're not even going to want to wear, what's, what's the use? So that's why I don't sell the cheap value stuff. Um, yeah. Gotcha. (laughs) Now, have you ever thought about getting into apparel? I was just about to say, or, or or apparel embroidery (laughs) too, or apparel screen. Cause I actually thought lid launch, if you look at his shirt, Frank, doesn't the doesn't the icon look like a little squeegee sideways? But it's see. not. I went to the website and I was like, oh no, it's a rocket ship with a hat on. Yeah, oh. with a hat on it. Uh, I we get asked that every single day, and it's like we are so. I'm, we we moved in, so we've moved four times in the past year and a half. You know, from I think in uh, October of twenty. Or July of 2020 is when I moved out of my house and into a tiny 900 square foot space with a single head and a Wait, six. Wait, 2020? Head got, like, yeah, a year and a half ago. Sorry, or two years ago almost. The time, dude. It's been the craziest. Hold two on, years of my I life, know on your about page you see. got the timeline too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's oh, let's revert back to that because my brain is mush. Yeah. Uh, 2020. 2020 yeah. So July yeah. 2020 hired my first part-time machine runner. And that was also a huge <laughs> moment too, where, holy crap, if I don't have to run the machines, then I can just sit here and write code to make this even easier. And, uh, it's just snowballed from that. And that's when we started running ads more aggressively. 
uh, and figuring out how to, pe to get people to actually buy rather than message us was a huge uh, pivot point too. You know, optimizing the website so that people know how to just place the order without talking to us was huge. Um, uh, where were we going from that? What was the original question? I don't remember. I don't even apparel. remember either. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah apparel, apparel. Apparel. I'm just listening. Yeah, so, so yeah, it, we've moved four times in little under two years, and we're already out of space. And the building we're in now is 8,400 square feet, but mind you, we were sitting on a crap ton of inventory that we need more of too. Right. So a lot of our space is dedicated to inventory now. But if I try to add anything to my business, like I need more space for it and not only space, you need the processes and the people that know how to do it. So we're at the point that if we add anything to our site, it's going to become a, a problem very quickly if we don't have the processes and people in place to do it. It's a lot so, easier to sort a small and medium hat versus a extra small through four XL yes. uh, polo. So yeah. uh, this is interesting. We we interviewed Kyler from Cersei Designs, who just does um, hats as well, but he also mm -hmm. just focuses on like laser engraved leather patches, and that's all he yeah. does. And he's so good at it. It's crazy that I mean. I don't know if it's a hat thing, but you guys just realize like, I don't even want to touch apparel because this is so much like it's, yeah. it's such a smarter thing to do to say no. And I think a lot of shops listening to this might be motivated to say like, pick your niche, you know, mm -hmm. and, and be really, 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 really good at whatever that niche is. And for you, you know, it's technology, obviously it's the Facebook ads, it's, you know, sewing, but for others, it could be something completely different, you know, yep. um, which is really interesting. I guess like from a day to day basis, your growth has been explosive. How mm -hmm. do you keep it all together? Do you have, uh, you, do you have, do you have like, are you starting to build out middle managers? Do you have mentors? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, so therapist. Yeah. I, I actually need one of those. Uh, but <laughs> it, at the beginning, at the beginning of 2021, uh, I hired my mom. Um, and she comes with 18 years of experience of running a restaurant, uh, one of our family restaurants. So mm. before that, I had, I think, like four or five employees that we literally didn't have a schedule and people were just coming and going when they wanted, which means they were calling off like all the time because like there was no consequences. There was no schedule. There was no like duties like and as soon as she came in, like we sat down, we set a schedule and like you have to clean up your workspace when you leave every day. So she was crucial to getting my employees in line and getting that ro rolling smoothly. Um, and she's also been a huge help in quality control because um, she doesn't let crap go out the door um, where my I'm so scatterbrained and seeing squirrels everywhere with the stuff that I have to deal with that if someone comes to me with like, what do you think about this hat? I'd be like, just ship it. Just get rid of it. I, I don't want to think about it. I've got so much other stuff going on, but <laughs> she has really taken the quality control side and off of my, off of me and off my plate and making sure that the workers are get put out, putting good work. Um, and you know, coming in when they're supposed to and sticking to their schedule and everything, uh, that, that has been a huge weight off my shoulders because I'm not a good manager. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge pushover. I'm not good at being abrasive with people. Uh, and like, like you guys are kind of saying like my softer is what I do. You know, I'm, I, I'm not, 
a boss. You're the COO. Right? So, you're the, you're, yeah. you know, you're on the operations, you're optimizing the process, you're getting things moving faster and more efficiently. Yeah. I yep. think Bruce so, is a pushover too, so and he likes code. So <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, Rob, I also yeah. don't like confrontation like that. Um, yeah, I've I've had to learn to be better about it because, like, yeah, for sure, you know, or else bad employees just tend to sit around, and you know, yeah. you got to kind of push people forward. I think Farrick's the most direct um, <laughs> on the other side, but. Uh, yeah, it, it is interesting like that. having that balance, but it, but it's 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 cool though that you know that right, so that you found the balance, which happens to your mom. Yeah. That's awesome at it. Um, yep. To surround yourself with. Yeah, and we. I still need more help though, and it's like everyone I talk to when I talk when I bring them in, it's like guys, if you just look at where I've come in the past year and a half, like this is just going to continue to get bigger and. The bigger it gets, I cannot, I, I can't be doing payroll myself. I can't be doing the decisions on marketing myself. I can't be doing the ordering and inventory on my, myself. Like I'm going to need a head of every single one of these part things like a legitimate company does. Is and that like, the next so step? The potential, oh, definitely. Uh, like what, what roles just, are you hiring for now? So you're coming up on three <laughs> or past three million. Like what, what's yeah. next for a lid launch? It's just keep getting better people and getting more stuff off my plate so that I can focus on what I do best and then uh, just continue to grow. Um, that's, that's I, I really, it's, that's really interesting. Cause I've talked to like some of the shops, you know, larger than us that we, you know, we talked to like, you know, Oklahoma shirt company and printed threads and Justin at barrel maker and max. And they all talk about that, that spot, you know, where you're growing from, call it 3 million to 5 million or whatever. And it's mm -hmm. all about putting people in place. Like it's all positioning and HR. Um, otherwise it's suffocating. Cause I think an owner can, can, can manage a company to a million and a half, 2 million. But after that point, you know, you just start, I think the business will start to crumble a little bit if you rely on yourself. Um, and oh, I think yeah, that's definitely. where that burnout happens. Um, you know, Bruce, yep. you talk about your guys' growth is like when you started putting middle managers in is when you really, really like hit the pavement, whether it was code or success totally. or support or, or, or all that stuff. You know, how do you because because it was a hard part for me to say we're going from fifteen dollar an hour employees to salaries now that are real wages and you know, mm -hmm. for you, did you have to take those jumps with some of those hires? Have you made those jumps yet to paying like you're no longer yeah. an hourly employee. This is your, your like, I would say run this thing now. I'd say every person that I've hired that has been more than just like the typical $15 an hour salary. It's always been like, Oh gosh, how am I going to afford this person? And then as soon as you hire them, you're like, I wish I would have hired them so much sooner Boom. because yeah. it's yeah. the return. The return Reach. on that person is if, so yeah. worth it. If it's the right person, obviously. Because you could get the bat, the wrong person, and then that's that's even worse, you know. But we've been very lucky with the people that we've gotten so far, and uh, hopefully it's continue so clear. to get lucky. It's so crazy. We, we, it's the same hiring. for firing too, right? It's like why yeah. did I do this yeah. way sooner? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's crazy because Bruce and I, if I were to go back in our text, we would talk about salaries and stuff and how to pay people, and you know when you're starting to hire middle management and. I think what I learned is the cost of a bad hire, like take, take a mm -hmm. hire that you were cheap about 
or that you tried to skimp on or that you tried to get, you know, the 30,000, you know, $15 an hour employee instead of the $20 an hour employee. And you take that over a whole year and say that was a $10,000 difference, but that employee didn't work out because, you know, they, they weren't ready for your business. You look at how much you spent on them in the last, whatever, four months, five months. And I guarantee you that's going to be more money than what it would have cost to just hire correctly and pay people what they deserve and find talent. Um, I think that's an, that's an eye opening thing that I learned, um, the hard way is you cannot be cheap with people at all whatsoever. Um, because it'll, it'll end up biting you in the butt and there's, there's no, I mean, there's nothing that like when you find, I think what you said, where you find that key employee, you don't care how much you're paying them at that point. Cause you're like, yeah, my peace of mind, it's kind of like the digitizing the same way, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't care if it's 30 bucks or so, you know, yeah. and I think that's, that's a critical thing for people listening is, is, is you might have to make that stretch and pay someone a real, you know, what they would get in corporate America or pay for their healthcare. But the cost of being cheap about it is going to destroy your business and destroy yourself. I think. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of value there. Um, so do you think, do you think Rob, you're going to buy more equipment or do you think you're going to start to outsource it again? No, we, I, I, we'd never outsource again. Um, why is that? So we just have the equipment. The only thing, if I was going to do something, which I want to do is we would run 24 hours. So we've got two shifts. We've got a shift that runs from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then 3 p.m. to 1130 at night. And the second shift right now, we're only like half staffed and we're getting we're getting like I was saying earlier, we're hitting some pretty great turnaround times on orders. So it's kind of like you got to figure out what your cadence is and what your what's possible. Um, So I know we have some room here to bring in even more orders. Uh, And if we hit a bottleneck there, if we're not keeping up, that's when I definitely want to add like a third shift. And we don't work Saturdays and Sundays right now. So that's a whole other day where machines are sitting dormant uh, with we're not running. So So what I'm hearing, Rob, is that you not only have you built your front end website, your inventory system, you also have built your scheduling out where you know what you're getting out of your equipment, how fast it's running. So you've built all of that. Yeah. Wow. Um, yes. That's super impressive. <laughs> well, why why yeah. not broker anymore? So, Just because you want faster turnaround and, and you can control that? Well, we're we're in so deep <laughs> with what I've got, right? So we've but, got all these equipment. But like, what if you and, get a thousand piece order that can clog up your machines? Would you take it or would you send it somewhere else? We would take it. Gotcha. Like, we've got we've got 50, 52 heads right now, so wow, a thousand a thousand hats across six six heads doesn't take very long. Uh, you know, I, I, I would actually like to know how fast we could get that done. Uh, I, I actually want to take that on just to see how fast we can do, do it. Do you time the jobs and actually put them in a schedule so you know how long they should take? Uh, not yet. That's mm-hmm. something we're working on. I, I can look at like an average order lifespan and how long it took to get done. Uh, but from the time the orders ran at the machine till completion, I don't have that working yet. Gotcha. Uh, but but you I look at how done. many stitches, right? Like, isn't that the telltale of how fast uh, a machine's going to run? So we, we don't look at stitch count yet. Uh, want to, so gotcha. that, that is definitely something on the production side that we're working on. Cause I would love to be able to look and see here is the total number of stitches that need to be complete this week. And you know, cause we have like an average, 
I have an average number that I know that we're probably going to get done that week looking at our past uh, weeks, right? It's like last month we did 14,000 hats. This month we did 13,500. So I know that we can like safely average out that the stitch counts because you get a you get an order that's 2,000 stitches and then you get an out order that's 11,000 stitches. They they end up averaging out. Do you charge the same for them? Yeah, same price. You charge the same. It's mm -hmm. it's honestly more work to go back to the person to try and get more money out of them on stitch count than it's worth. (laughs) Wow. So again, you're reducing friction by reducing the amount of decisions they have to make. And, yeah. and looking at it as a volume play, but you're also looking at, okay, 13,000 hats this month, 14,000. Um, is that something you publicize with your team? Like, do they know how many hats they've sewn that month? Yeah. Uh, I need to be better about it. Uh, I, we had a, a meeting a couple of weeks ago, like an all hands meeting where I went over like some production statistics. Cause I think one week we did over 4,000 hats in a week. And like, that was like a record for us. And I'm like, Holy crap guys, like you're killing it. Uh, I just want to, you know, we did this many hats this week and I want to have a big TV out in the production facility with like, I ultimately I want it to be, I don't want it to be like a, a bad thing if it doesn't get hit, but I want goals, right? I want the team to see real time. Like this week we should do 4,000 hats and then a progress bar of how many that we have done and then kind of showing them, right? I mean, if you if you actually dive into Amazon and their delivery system, it's a video mm-hmm. game that their employees play, unfortunately, yeah. and fortunately, but they can see how many deliveries they've made if they're on pace, you know, uh, how yeah. the walking time, stop stopping time, and then they just continue to get better. But then they incentivize them for good work. And I think that's yeah, that's the critical Definitely. part. I bet you mm-hmm. if we were to go into your shop, what's the culture like? Is everyone pretty like, let's get after it or is everyone? Yeah, it. It's so laid back, man. Like, I know my employees love it because there's literally we're not slave drivers. Like people show up, they go to their two six heads and their single head and they just run their orders, hang out. And it is super laid back. Like that's the. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So we've got so we've got like uh, four pods where it's two six heads and a single head per pod. Um, And. Yeah, one person, and then you have like a like a supervisor ish person that floats the machines. Uh, so five production team members and a supervisor that floats. Rob, and helps. Do, do you spend your day on the floor? Do you lock yourself in a room? Do you not go into the <laughs> shop? What about so seriously? My like, life, my life is, is totally just gone completely one eighty from what it was. So I quit my day job in June of twenty twenty one. So I was still doing this both for so long like i was so COVID happened and we went working remotely so i'm a software engineer that works at home at that point and that was in 2020 so that allowed me to like literally go to my office and work in my office with the door closed until like four and then walk out and start making hats with my workers and get caught up on all the the craziness that's going on and i did that until june of last year and finally stepped away. But as soon as I stepped away, my wife, uh, until that point, hadn't worked for a few years. And she had just finished her master's degree. And she got a job as a teacher. And I'm like, you do that because that's what you've always wanted to do. And you're super passionate about it. And it makes you happy. And I'll watch the kids. So we have a three-year-old daughter. So I've been waking up every morning. So I went from working a day job as a software engineer and then staying up till 3 a.m. 
trying to run my business forever to now I wake up and hang out with my kid and then go into the office when I can at night. Most days. Does she cut backing yet at three? <laughs> no, she just runs around the office and tells my workers to get back to work. Hey, my, my business partner's grandson can cut backing. I mean, he's yeah. like 15 now, but look, Hey, she'll, yeah. she'll run the place. I'm telling you. Heck yeah. Um, so that's, that's, yeah, super my life is cool. com- completely that's super, super cool. It, it's, it's honestly, it, it is, I don't like it. Cause like, I went from doing both for so long to now, like I've got this thing running at almost a point where my involvement is super minimal because it's so automated and just running and I have the right people in place that I kind of feel empty. Right. So it's, it's like you go from doing so much to Holy crap. I have the successful business. that's just running itself to that. Now I like, I don't like that. You know, I need the, I need the pressure and the the overworking myself. I don't know. That's just the I kind think of that's what's that wrong with you engineer folks, like you developers. You just can't sit still. It's like, oh, we can, <laughs> well, we can hack that. Well, we can make this a little faster. Well, we could tweak that. Yeah. Well, I pushed out an update here. Okay, we got we got this. Just watching. Um, yeah. But but that I mean that's that's the hunger. I guess like what's next for the business? Obviously, you guys are still growing. Do you yep. feel like you're going to outgrow your space again? Should every Definitely. contract shop in the country call you to try and sew for you? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, What's we, next? Uh, I, I think we have some room to grow here. So I know we've got space on our lot to build like a little bit of a warehouse space that we're definitely going to do. So I want to squeeze as much out of this current property that we can. And then we would build like a warehouse or something to move into next. But again, like, this is a hundred percent customer funded. I don't have investors. I've just overextended and obliterated my credit, like buying hats and growing this thing. Uh, so I would like to get to a very healthy cadence of we've got inventory for at least six months to a year that we're sitting on, which means we're basically taking all of our profits for the next year and just reinvesting that into buying hats to make sure that we have it. And once we have that solid base of inventory, then I know that we can confidently either spend more on money on ads, which I'm kind of reluctant to do. That's why I hired one of my high school friends to be head of sales, because uh, I want to grow this year. I want to grow more organically and do more of the work on our end to get some not really. I don't I don't know if we really want the uh, contract embroidery stuff. Uh, but it's just some bigger customers like and not only that, just going through our list of 10,000 people over the past couple of years that have bought from us and just reaching out again to say, hey, you want to buy again? Or yeah. do you know anyone that wants to buy something? So just spending I mean, the time s- to do that, you, which I've never had the time like to do. sound like sticker mule. You literally sound like <laughs> yeah. sticker mule. I mean, yeah. we were just at lunch the other day and all of us looked around and said, sticker mule sticker mule yeah we all order sticker mule right (laughs) i mean you literally like it's 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 pretty inspiring to see what you've built and you haven't even tapped into the sales side like i just googled lid launch and you guys came up as an ad above custom ink which is pretty cool yeah don't click on it so it doesn't charge charge rob because that's really (laughs) annoying scroll down before you Scroll down and then you'll see you nothing click. but our Facebook and Instagram ads for the rest of your life. Yeah, you so your it. ad spend's gonna go Retarded. up a little bit. 
Yeah. Uh, who does your marketing? Do you do you work with an agency? Do you do it yourself? Yeah. Do you tell me? We about work that. with a monster agency, and they're out of Texas. And I basically found these guys. And this is another point where I. It's basically you look back on it and you're so glad you did it. But and it was a very scary thing to pull the trigger on. Um, but I, they they had some pretty hilarious commercials that for their agency that every time I watched it I'm like holy crap, these are the guys that are going to run our ads. Like when I saw them. Um, and I, when we first started out, like when I signed on with them, it was going to be like, we were going to spend $2,500 a month on Facebook ads. And like when I signed that like agreement, my hands were like trembling and my heart rate was all high because I'm like, holy crap, 2,500 bucks. Like if this doesn't work out, that's 2,500 bucks out of my paycheck at my day job that I'm going to have to somehow figure out how to pay for these ads if they don't work. And We've never had a, a negative return on ad spend. Wow. Knock on wood. So I think that's also in part because of our processes that we have and how simple our processes are. Uh, and we, we have really great reviews. So if you if you see any of our ads on Facebook, or Instagram, there's tons of people in those in there saying, thank you so much for the order. It was amazing. And that's uh, I think that's been part of what has fueled the our such positive returns so, on ads. So, so not only are you spending money on marketing, but you're spending it on getting reviews and making sure that your customers are happy because those reviews, we were just talking about this, Bruce, those reviews are worth so much. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, the funny thing is, is those are just coming from people without us asking. You, you don't so, even use like a sign another, post or anything. No. So that is another push for 2020 is anytime someone does say something to us, how happy they are to ask them to leave us a review. Cause before, right. A couple months ago, we weren't even doing that. And uh, so we actually, I recently just set up our Google business page, which I don't know how or why I never did it before. So now we're actually getting Google reviews too. So when people see our Google ads, they see our ten, you know, five-star review rating. Um, but yeah, all of our, all of our reviews, like anyone commenting on our ads that you might see that's happy, that's just unsolicited. That's just the people truly being happy with our process and what they got. That's, that's super cool. Meaning you're not selling yeah. crap. Which I think sometimes yep. you look at you look at Facebook ads that are doing really well, and you're like, "Wow, it's got ten thousand comments," and you see all the complaints in there, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's kind of like if you look at our competitors, like if you go to their ads. So a, a telltale sign of if a company is probably not doing very great on either either their ads or just their process in general is if you see an ad and you see it has like a hundred comments on it, but when you expand it, there's only a couple. Those comments are being deleted or hidden, hidden. by the, the moderators of the page because it's probably either. But you, you, the, you still let me, get. Let me check the Printavo ads real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you get you get people. I mean, you're going to get people to just say really stupid stuff on them anyway. So it's not like 100 percent correlation. That means they're doing bad stuff. But I feel with how small we are comparatively to the giants that we're up against, our customers are so happy and we do so much better than everyone else as far as our processes and our turnaround times and how happy our people actually are. So I, like I look at the giants in the headwear space and I'm not scared at all because I know that with time and space and inventory and people, we can just completely take them over. That's awesome. Yeah. That's super, Boom. super pow- powerful. Rob, this, this will, has this will been, be a good uh, one. This is really good. Thank you so much for, for sharing 
just everything. You've been super transparent. We really appreciate that too. You've got a lot yeah, going no on. Yeah, no problem. Guys, you guys can follow him at, at Lib Launch. Uh, Rob, also, Rob, you're in the Facebook groups too because I think that's how we got connected. Yeah. I saw you post uh-huh. in your shop growth because I saw you post when you started yep. and then like I saw you post again. I was like, whoa. And then I figured yeah. we should reach out. But Robert Ham from Lid Launch, sure. thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you to our sponsors, GraphX, Easyway, and Multicraft. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you guys in the next episode.